1: All right, we are back here on Alt Media United, a show that is yet Mm -hmm. to be named officially, but for now, it is self-titled after the cooperative that founded this amazing show that will be the talking piece, the mouthpiece of Alt Media United to sort of promote all of the amazing podcasts that and content creators that we're cooperating with and also keep you informed on what's going on in this ever-changing podcast landscape we have you know crazy podcasts being created by people like barack obama and bruce springsteen although i think that that's old news now that that podcast came and went and failed and that just goes to show that the the powers that be are not going to easily nestle themselves into the podcast industry so i'm i'm happy to be here uh, how about you, Al? How you doing today? Welcome to the show, Al, uh, my co-host here, host of the amazing podcast Forum Borealis,
0: which of course is a part of Alt Media United. Of course, of course. And uh, if you're not a part of the Alt Media United, what are you waiting for?
1: There's nothing stopping people from joining. All they have to do is email us at altmediaunited at altmediaunited dot com or altmediaunited at gmail dot com, whichever you prefer, and. uh, there is an info submission form that's all it takes send us your info we'll create a page for you on the site and uh, you know it's not that kind of open door policy may not be here forever as alt media united grows we might you know yeah be, be, yeah. be more be more have more qualifications before we <laughs> open the door. it is
0: like this if you're holding a party you want you want to fill up the room right But when it starts getting full, you just have to start becoming, you have to start distinguishing, right? Mm -hmm. Filtering, so to speak. And well, we will not do too much preaching today about it, but when people learn what is possible with such a cooperative, you know, we'll also need people who naturally are burning for that kind of motivation, that kind of aim, Mm -hmm. so to speak. That said, we... Don't you agree, Mark? We never are, like, putting down any ideological or philosophical criterias. Right. Independent is the name of the game. Right. Independent. And, and that is that is probably the only qualification
1: right now is is if a person owns, operates their podcast independently. You can, of course, have a team or people that help you. but But, yeah, this isn't a cooperative that, you know, wants these big, you know, tied up podcasts that they have on these big million dollar networks so but anyways we we don't need to spend too much time preaching as you said al because today's episode we're talking with someone who has tons of experience in the media she started her career in radio and has made her way into this alternative space of podcasting because she has more freedom to say what's on her mind, to look into what she wants to look into, to cover the stories that are most important, not just to her, but to most of us, I hope. (laughs) Monica Perez is our guest today. She is the host of Deep Dives with Monica Perez. At one time, she co-hosted the Propaganda Report with Brad Binkley. You can find Deep Dives on that RSS feed or its own RSS feed, You just search deep dives wherever you're listening to podcasts. Of course, she is a staple on the Union of the Unwanted, a show that I have been on. And if Al hasn't been on it yet, we definitely need to get him on it soon. That's Um,
0: Tripoli's show, right?
1: Yeah, Tripoli, you know, (laughs) and Charlie Robinson, Mike from Our Big Dumb Mouth and Ricky Verandes, who's been a guest on this show. I should say the latter three co-hosts are there more often than Sam is, just because Sam is so busy, he can't make it to every episode. But yeah, 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 Monica's been on that show before and she's definitely a fixture in the community. I remember before I had a podcast, I was tuning into her show, The Propaganda Report, and I'm happy to see she has her own podcast these days. Of course that is a deep dives so with monica perez so what do you think al anything you want to add before we get right into this interview
0: yeah i would just say that i think nowadays it's much more normal that people come from mainstream outlets to the free space outlets than the other way around it used to be the other way around right oh i'm 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 trying to climb i'm starting in local then i'm going up to national etc. Or I'm I'm starting with a blog, then I'm becoming a journalist, right? She coming from radio to podcast was, in the old days, an inverted process. Today, it's the only way if you're going to survive <laughs> and have some integrity, by the way. But of course, the radio space is more free in, in many ways. But yeah, that's the way to go. So unless they manage to quench it but I agree with you they can't even though they try what um, was interesting is, how,
1: is... how how you know, I don't want to give away too much of what we, we talked about in this interview but what was interesting is how Simple. The shift was, you know, one one management that she worked under was okay with her talking about whatever she wanted and as long as she she said it in a way that was journalistically sound. I forget the exact criteria for that. And then there was a, a change in management, and overnight, everything she had been talking about was, you know, off limits. So yeah, it, it, yeah. it's funny to see that. Uh You're right. It, it is kind of inverted, but. It's the way it's been uh, for people who have the integrity to uh, yeah. stick to their guns
0: instead of, uh, and they usually succeed uh, mm-hmm. when they start in the mainstream and come over to the so-called alternative space. They, I haven't heard of anyone failing unless it's the you know unless it's these establishment crooks that were never popular to begin with, like the dude over at CNN, the brother of the corrupt New York guy. What's his name? Or the Cuomo, f- yeah, uh, you know, almost Yeah, yeah, the the Cuomo guy, the the CNN Cuomo guy. Yeah, Andrew. Complete fail, right? <laughs> because that's he's now squeezed out of that space. He didn't want to leave it, and now he th- thinks he can come like a cowboy into the independent space and take over. Same with this old uh, creepy guy from Fox. What was his name? Bill O'Reilly. Mm, mm. So. You know, good riddance and, and let them get their mic in our space. Let them for the first time in their life taste meritocracy <laughs> and fail, obviously. Right. Because they have nothing to bring to the table. Cut, time out. This is redactive, what I'm going to say now. It sounds to me uh, there's no time to go through these um browser evaluations i did is it better to i think we i I think we lack one intro to one of the guests i I think we only have two so i suppose we have to make one more intro do you remember this because then i could do it there because we were talking about how we should start these intros with the news and updates and hot topics right
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, from the space and this is this is one of them that i've done but uh, maybe there's no time now because we have to keep it short for Monica so we could just chit chat on until we've fulfilled the quota uh, we but could, uh,
1: we could always
0: but i think we have one more to do or don't we i have to double check
1: i'm almost certain we don't have one to do cuz i have 3 outros and sure. and 3 interviews so but we could also say that in the outro i don't know i
0: mean yeah if there's enough time yeah yeah, well let's let's. Yeah, let's do it in the outro then, if there's enough time. How much time did we? How much time do we have total for the intro outro?
1: The intro, today? the intro so far has been about seven and a half minutes, but we can we can go anywhere between fifteen and
0: thirty minutes. Okay, so let's do ten minute intro and then we put it in the outro. Okay. Okay, so I was just making fun of the establishment crooks coming into our space you can take it from there
1: well and that's like what i was joking about with obama and springsteen at the beginning in their failed podcast you know thinking they were gonna you know strike the iron hot on spotify and you know take all these rogan fans over to springsteen and obama and you know i think they did less than half a season of of a podcast at least what they i suppose that was
0: after hillary yeah, the Hillary failed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, her show was a miserable failure too. I can't remember which one came first. And then I think Michelle Obama tried to do something as well in that vein. But yeah, Amazing. you know, it's interesting. They do. I think they do carry some of those like people who are part of the you know establishment media. They're entertained by that uh, over to the alternative space. But once you know what I'd like to see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? Just for the, you know how people like B movies or C movies because they're so bad, they're good. I'd like to see Mike Pence do a podcast with Kamala Harris. I'd actually tune into that. If nothing else, just for the plain awkwardness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. 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 I think there's a lot of that going on. I'm sure there's tons of podcasts in the top on the top ranked charts that would surprise you. And I'm sure we can look into that as this show evolves, like why some of those podcasts are ranked so high. Are there tricks Mm -hmm. that these big podcast companies are using to get their shows in the charts, you know, with Apple? Is there some kind of algorithm? Because, you know, I've played around with the podcasting stuff for almost two years now and I've gotten my show into the top 20 in the philosophy genre several times and I'm just curious like how a show that only has one or two episodes or three episodes can be in the top 10 and you often see that where an episode will be you know like or what a season of a, of a new podcast will be like ranked top five. And you're like, there's yep. only two new episodes out. How did they get that much like downloads to skyrocket them all the way to the top? Cause I, my understanding of these charts is that it, it has something to do with download numbers over time. Right.
0: So, you know, again i'm not you know i just changed providers i went over to rss.com and they had some interesting things to say about that Hmm. you know no podcast analytics today is actually trustworthy well that's they all they're all very they're all very quality
1: well they're all they're all like variables there's no consistency amongst the analytics like you go to one provider and they're telling you you have this many subscribers you go to another provider and they're saying you have this many subscribers and it's twice as much as you had, you know. So, I, yeah, I, I have to do some research into that. I don't have the math prepared to get into all that. But I, I think there's something fishy going on with that. And I definitely want to look into that further. At the end of this episode, at the end of this conversation with Monica Perez, don't leave, folks. We're going to have... Some more podcast information. Some what do yeah. you call it, Al? What do you have to to share for us? You,
0: you. Oh, to- I've done the dirty work of evaluating the Google alternatives, mm. and I can tell you now. With because unbeknownst to most, well, maybe people know it now, but Google is not just censoring; they're removing. Is they're calling it the scrubbing of the internet. You saw how they scrubbed this CEO. Jude of Pfizer recently when uh, it broke out that he came clean and said that we are amping up the virus so that we can develop a vaccine to handle it so and then spread it. They call it directed evolution. So they just scrubbed him overnight. And we've seen this happen for a long time now, how they scrub stuff. And I'm not going on about it now, but what can we do then? Because they're not actually removing information from the internet. That's not possible because the internet is like Bitcoin. It's splintered into a million servers. But they are the gatekeepers. They control the access and the search. And that's where the problem is right now. So I, I, I looked into how can we avoid everybody talking about privacy. So which browser actually gives you privacy. That's fine. There's many to choose between. But the other part of that equation is, who is not censoring who is actually giving you search results mm. so we're going to we're going to hear yeah, which a- br- not browser but which search engines to use mm. yeah i'm excited to get into that i'm always yeah looking for information
1: and google just doesn't cut it i abandoned them long ago so i'm, I'm hoping you don't tell me duck duck go is just as bad It's probably <laughs> is though yeah <laughs> well for now we're gonna ask monica thank you so much folks for tuning Indeed. in let's get into this interview with monica perez yes, no. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are on the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. Insert uh, scratch vinyl sound there. And the Alt Media United podcast, which just debuted kicking ass, taking names and helping the people get the truth uncensored. And to help kick that off, it's the great Monica Perez from her brand new podcast, Deep Dives with Monica. You know her from the Propaganda Report. You know her from the Union of the Unwanted and much more. Monica Perez, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much. I'm super psyched to be here.
1: Well, I am super psyched to have you. As the audience knows from our introduction, the great Al Borealis is joining us as well from the great North. Al, welcome. Greetings. And today... Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Davos to begin, if you don't mind, because you recently did a sort of, uh, you know, 10 things you need to know about Davos. And I'm someone who sticks my head in the sand like an ostrich. So I thought Davos was a acronym. No, it's not. It's a place in, um, well, it's a place. I think it's next to Bravos. Ah, okay. So it's in Braavos. Isn't
0: that where the Iron Bank is? bravos it's it's from uh batman it's called, uh, no 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 it's from uh, a game of thrones but um ah. to me that means switzerland yes yeah.
2: I mean, my husband asked me once if i ever got to the bottom of the rabbit hole where would it be and i said well i think it will be on the top of a mountain in switzerland and that's davos <laughs>
1: yeah Mm. So it does feel like this is a setting from a Bond villain uh, headquarters. You know, Bond kind of sneaks in and makes his way around, maybe sneaks up on Klaus Schwab and puts a poison pill in his (laughs) neck or something. I don't know. But this isn't happening here. It seems like Bond is guarding Davos this year as they host the
0: World Economic Forum. So. Um, yeah, people have heard that. Let me let, let me say, uh, hmm. Richard Werner, the great economist, he had a tweet recently. He said, uh, At what age were you when you realized that Bond was working for the bad guys? <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah.
2: Yeah. I remember, I'm not going to tell you my age, but it was only about 10 years ago. Hmm. I mean, I always knew. That my, I was absolutely raised my hardcore, I guess he would consider himself a classical liberal, which is really like a libertarian. And he just hated the government, Republican, Democrats. So I was always kind of turned on to it. But when I realized that they were actually the ones blowing up buildings and stuff, that wasn't until the Boston Marathon bombing, which was in like 2013, I think.
0: Mm. Uh, Speaking of that, I I knew, you know, from the first second something is fishy because they couldn't let us, um, they they isolated the poor patsies. But I never picked up on specifically what that was about in terms of, you know, from the deep state angle. Could you share briefly? Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, that's when, so before I did podcasting, I had a radio show. On terrestrial radio, and I did not know 9 11 was an inside job or anything, but I had to fill in like on a primetime show right after the Boston Marathon bombing. And I had to do a lot of research to figure out what was really going on because it was a call in show and I really needed to know everything. And as I was researching it, I noticed that like the facts were different in different newspapers and there were no retractions. And that's when I realized that the newspapers just don't tell the truth, and I've never gone back. But those two guys, the Sarnayev brothers, were I think the older brother was in the CIA. His uncle was definitely in the CIA. Ruslan Sarnayev, Ruslan Sarni, was married to Graham Fuller, who was the the CIA chief in Kabul, Afghanistan. His daughter, Samantha Fuller, was her married name was Samantha Fuller Sarnayev, because the uncle was running a USAID operation out of their house with their address of Graham Fuller. And the kid, the younger, the older of the two boys, men, young men, uh, was at the Jamestown Foundation. And I forget what Middle Eastern country, but their whole Dagestan, Chechnya thing actually traces to things that Graham Fuller said. And they were, I think, over there uh, radicalizing imams for us. And I believe that the Russians outed them and sent a letter to the CIA saying, These guys uh, get your effing spies out of Chechnya or Dagestan or whatever. And so once their cover was blown, the younger one was a dental student. I don't think he had anything to do with it. They say he's in jail right now. I'm confident he's dead. All this mm-hmm. stuff about there being a shootout and the brother running over the brother. They surrendered. They had their hands in the air. Yeah, the yeah. The older brother was arrested naked, stripped naked. It was on CNN. Turns up dead a few hours later. The whole story morphed. There was tons of eyewitnesses for that. I was covering it in real time. And the
0: mother, remember the mother came out and said that uh, they were eliminated by the, the uh, she didn't use these words. The ants, yeah. The ants, yeah. The yeah, the, okay. the
2: aunt. So she was telling the truth. Like the aunt was definitely telling the truth. I had um that's when people were, you know, I could tell there were agents contacting me, acting like fans telling me not to tell this story on the air. It really got way down. Wow. But I, you know, so the number one thing was eliminating those guys. So when I think it was like Robert Mueller of the FBI said, like, we're trying to find these two terrorists, number one and terrorist number two. And I'm like, well, they're on a terrorist watch list and their address is within one mile of the place where this happened. So if you're real, I can tell you their names, buddy. <laughs> so he so that was eliminating them was one thing. And then I feel like the actual bombing. I don't know. I never really went through like, is that fake blood or whatever? I I, I guess. And after time has passed, it feels like it, you know, I don't think 200 people died. That's for sure. But uh, I think they use that as that test for martial law. Like they locked down the whole city. That's the first time you ever heard like shelter in place. And they just did some experimentation of what it would be like to send tanks down the streets and go up to people's houses with big guns and tell them to like step away while you walked inside. You'd see videos of that. So with all these things, they're always multitasking. And I think they just used these guys as patsies because they had to take them out anyway. Yeah, so that, don't wind me up because I just. No, 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 Monica, <laughs> that's what we
1: have you here for. Don't apologize, please. That's, that's,
2: that's my superpower. It's yeah. just not, that's actually I got discovered for the radio because I was at a wedding. <laughs> And the lady next to me was a radio producer, and I did that to her, and she was just like, "Oh my gosh, can you do that if nobody's even listening?" And I was like, "Ask my husband."
0: <laughs>
2: and I've been on the radio. I was on the radio ever since then.
1: Well, oh, yeah. and take us take us to the next phase because the Boston bombing part that that kind of exposed you know the grim reality of what you were sort of a part of, and and maybe how they were hoping you wouldn't be as keen uh, as you were, and and on the track like you were so uh was it shortly after that that they let you go from radio or did you no leave or? way
2: that's what's so crazy is that that was at the beginning of my oh. career in radio it was cox media which was still family owned it was big there's two cox like i don't think it was the cox like that does cable but they had newspapers they had radio stations it was all in atlanta where i lived and they uh they The program director there had been there for a long time. I think, I don't know if he had worked for Art Bell, but he, he liked Art Bell and he's like, you're, like Art Bell, like people will like that. And he just he let me be me. And even my producer, who was the woman at the wedding who discovered me, she produced my show. She loved me truly, like I'm good friends with her. And she I became good friends with her. And she didn't want me to go down and play him. She's like, you cannot go on the radio and say that stuff. Like you have to say something else like that's people will think you're crazy. They'll run and scream like the only rule I had is like, no, don't make people run and scream away from the radio (laughs) and don't, and don't lie. Don't let somebody say something that you don't agree with without correcting them. Like, cause people, you know, little things like that. But my, I said, Oh, then I'm not going on because I can not, I don't have anything to offer except for that. I cracked the entire code. (laughs) So I'm not going on and pretending like this is about, you know, bombs, not guns or whatever. So the she dialed up the program director, and he said, "If you can support, if you can tell people that it's the difference between your opinion and the facts, and you can support your facts with evidence and your opinion with rationale, you can do it." And that was always his philosophy. I said I kind of held my tongue when it came to 9/11. There were a few things. 9/11. Abortion would have been okay, but I just, you know, enough people talk about that. And then, just uh, people were extremely pro-war because it was a conservative radio station. And if I ever said anything about you know maybe we shouldn't be bombing Syria constantly people be like but you know we have to protect Israel and I'm like well Syria isn't bombing Israel but whatever so I tried to stay away from those subjects which I really felt people would absolutely hang up and I would never have an opportunity to talk about anything else but other than that stuff I said whatever I wanted for eight and a half years and then at the exact same moment that I like in 2019 um uh We taught Brad Binkley, who's my Propaganda Report co-host, was my sidekick there, like my on-air producer. And he talked about, we both talked about uh, Epstein and um, Abrams, Stacey Abrams, which were big issues. I did a lot of work on election integrity in 2020, but the CDC is in Atlanta. And when I heard Event 201, I started playing clips of it on the air And it was like war of the world because people were just like, what? Six million people are dying. What? You know, like if I had to stop playing the clips of the fake news reels from Event 201, which was in October 2019, talking about the pandemic. And so they started doing like flatten the curve in February. And I was like, "Mm, two years, not two weeks. Like, get ready. Stock market's going to fall 40 percent. And I like called it on the day. It was like Event 201 was just an absolute blueprint. But that's that. At the same time that happened, Cox sold to, I think, Apollo and the head of Apollo later had to step down because of his relationship with Epstein. And of course, the whole election integrity thing came to a head in 2020. So I don't know which of those three things did it. But in that month, as soon as I started on the event, who one stuff and I just said, ah, forget it, I'll talk about 9-11, I'll talk about whatever, you know, I got this. <laughs> I was literally gone by the end of February
1: 2020. Wow. Wow. And then we find out that this Apollo guy is in leagues with Epstein. What a surprise. I remember you told me that story um, in 2020 or 2021 was when you first joined me on my show. So, yeah, I don't know if we knew that part about the Epstein thing then, but uh, or at least it didn't come up. And, yeah, wow, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm glad to see you sort of roll and recycle like all that experience that you gained in the radio industry to this successful podcast like venture that you're on now i mean clearly it's working for you and and those producers were right you do have a knack for this monica so we're glad to see you doing that i'm i'm a little confused so the deep dives this is this is your solo show do you still contribute to the propaganda report at all uh, like it-
2: no i decided i really didn't uh, have the time for mm. the daily show i didn't feel comfortable taking patreon money that i had kind of promised people a daily show and really got a lot of people to sign up for that and i didn't want to do that binkley said he wanted to continue to do it so i kind of just handed it all over to him and he took he's got 100 percent of the patreon but we still both post what we're what we're doing he does you know stuff that we kind of used to do and i do my solo show we put that in our rockfin feed we put it in the propaganda report feed right but i really um i've got i agreed to just not do too much in those feeds so i had to kind of start my own and i did the deep dives thing And that the solo stuff I do on deep dives draws a lot to the invaluable training they gave me at WSB. So I feel like I'm getting back to that, to those roots and kind of um, it's that is quite an advantage. But, yeah, I stopped doing basically any of that. And I I would I would pop in once in a while to, you know, Rockfin stuff or whatever. But I just I can't cannot co-host anymore.
0: Well, but, I'm but a... good call to leave radio because except for America, a radio is dead in the rest of the world. Mm. Um, and now it's not the FM bond is shut down anyway. Everything
2: wow. Well, dead. the thing the thing that was really great about it, there's two things that I really miss, and I think this is why they had to shut me down. One, or shut everybody down who would do this, one is that people were listening to that station. It was the number one station. I think it was it was a huge station. They were mm. listening for the news traffic and weather. And they were forced to kind of listen to me. And what that did was, A, it exposed a lot of people to a different viewpoint. And then the other thing kind of built on top of that, it was a call in show. And Atlanta is a very diverse place. I think it's half black. It's African-American and African and just tons of diverse cultures. It's it's like a very central city in the world. And I would have people calling who completely blew up the stereotype narratives. I had, I mean, my, the reference I make the most, and I do forgive me if I repeat myself, but was that the uh, reparations was a topic and I had more liberals than even conservatives or political agnostics called. Every single person who called for three hours were, was against reparations. These were uh, black Atlanta citizens, uh, residents. And that that was powerful. Like another time I happened to fill in for somebody uh, during the week, which was when you really got a lot of ears and we beat no knock raids. We just I had 400000 people listening and they just called and said, that's terrible. Like, that's how that baby got hurt and all this kind of stuff. So I reached people who never hear this stuff. That's the difference between radio and podcasting is that podcasting. First, somebody has to want to listen to you.
0: Mm. Preaching to the choir, kind of. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. That's why we need to set up like at bus stops, like some kind of like portable, like podcast player where people could hit a button and it just like randomly shuffles through podcasts. We need to do something for people. But, to, uh, but that's
0: to, in the works, man.
1: Yeah. Like, you know, Curie, you we, know, some we, we're sort working of, on it. Curiosity podcast stop or something like that, but yeah, <laughs> it's it's definitely uh, more suited for podcasting this type of content. But I agree with you, and and you made the comparison, or your producer made the comparison to you and Art Bell. I think that age of uh, radio is is fading away. Unfortunately, maybe it will be replaced by this uh, satellite radio that uh people are excited about but yeah it it seems like the podcast deep dives are a good transition for you monica what uh what has grabbed your attention recently i mean we we started talking about the davos we can go back to that whenever but was there anything else uh that you've dove into that's worth sharing
2: Well, there's there were two big, big topics. What I found was I was trying to just do like 20 minute deep dives a couple of times a week. I just can't do it. I end up just uh, getting so, so deep in the research that not only is it like 40 minutes, but sometimes it's multiple episodes. So the the last rabbit hole I went to just went on and on. It was like just a, a press release from the White House about homelessness. And I read it and I was like, "Mm, this sounds to me like it's about housing. So then I found there was a press release from the White House about housing six months prior to that, which folded right in. And then I found that that led to Agenda 21. Then uh, when I was looking at Davos, I didn't look at all the stuff everybody else was looking at the front page of the Davos meeting on the World Economic Forum website. I went to where they were talking about urban redevelopment about transportation and it folded all into that stuff and then like a week later which is how it always seems to happen with stuff on Tabo's radar bubbles up into the main news they started talking about these 15 minute cities and that i think is actually after digging into it i think is one of the three reasons for covid and i for the whole way covid went and I feel like it is a real tipping point. Like, this is what they've been meaning to implement. This is the reason they created climate change in the first place. Like, this, I feel like, is the show. <laughs> and that's what I've been digging in. The other thing I was digging into for a while there was the FTX thing, which I have a theory about as well. But those are the two things that i am just mm. got my head into. But that 15-minute city, if you want to hear about that, is, I yeah. think, very significant.
1: Oh, for sure. I, it kind of fits into like the 90s Agenda 21 stuff where the aliens were telling us that we had to, you know, save our environment and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, okay, the aliens are telling us that? Hmm. (laughs) Uh, But the 15-minute cities fit right into this sort of narrative of keeping people out of wildlife spaces, uh, putting national parks and and all these wild spaces under federal control and leaving people in... Uh, you know, urban nightmares. I, I would call it that. I don't. I don't prefer city over the forest, but some people do. But it, it's even worse than just being in a city because you can only navigate within a 15-minute radius. Meaning, literally, everything that you need to, you know, live will be available in the immediate 15-minute radius from where you live. But who the heck wants to live their life in such a small hamster cage? I mean, that's that's just really uh, inhuman to impose that on people. But, you know, these uh, ultra elite, their classism and racism and who knows what else goes, knows no bounds. Notice
0: what they do, though. They uh, purchase huge land areas. I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, hijacking and farming. I'm talking about them having nuclear safe bunkers in the countryside and uh, many places they have, uh, it's a big business apparently among the oligarchs that they have neighborhoods of atomic bomb shelters. I mean, it could be for other things than atomic bombs too, but that kind of thing that you can maintain communication, you can filter air, you can produce your own food. So they're prepared for some kind of doomsday scenario, whether that comes from within or without. And uh, the interesting thing about it is two things. Number one, it tells you how insane they are. They don't have a perspective of maintaining Earth, (laughs) which is probably also why they can just not give a damn about environment and just profit, 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 no matter what. But the second is that they know cities will become hell holes. I mean, all it takes, it's a 10x solar flare and people will turn to cannibalism within weeks and they're probably going to be (laughs) those at the countryside will probably line up you know the shotguns and put up barriers so they don't get refugees from the cities out in the countryside to consume all the resources so it's a nightmare to live in a city in, in this day and age and that's what they
1: seem to be doing i was listening to one of monica's latest episodes they're they're Regionalizing things, right, Monica? Restricting travel from airplane to, you know, imposing electric cars. So take it away. I mean, what, what are the sort of details in the, in the devil here?
2: Well, that's the thing is that the the Agenda 21 stuff is predated by UN Habitat One from, I think, 1976. So that's really before they landed on global warming as like the driver. And they just said there should be this is a UN document that says we assert there should be no private property ownership of land because it's unegalitarian. And that is I think there's a couple of reasons for the 15-minute city and purposes, but the number one thing, and Rosa Corey, who wrote Behind the Green Mask and really laid all this stuff out before her untimely death last year of one of these rapid-moving cancers, which are becoming so common right now, but she had said, like, no matter what it is, if it's transportation, if it's urban redevelopment, all of that, it always ends up being land use restrictions. She was some kind of government or not government I don't know if she was a government worker or what, but she did eminent domain. Uh, she was a specialist in in being um, a witness on eminent domain. But so they have uh, they, the land use thing is a big part of it. But the regionalization is uh There are purposes there. So she says they'll always talk about transportation or infrastructure. Then they'll piggyback on that, a redevelopment plan, and that'll involve land use. But what it'll do is it will cross jurisdictions. And if you look at, I think it's a UN organization, ICLEI, I-C-L-E-I, the answer is in the name, the International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives. They have blueprints for how to get Uh, extra jurisdictional laws. So it's hard for you to fight against it because they create these like really artificial kind of quasi government um, regions. That's hard for you to fight, but you still have to fight it. I looked at local city councils. They do still have regional planning things. They have um, sustainability committees. Like I'm getting to where I'm learning the blueprint that Rosa suggested that we fight it. But it all it all um travels over time with the exact same agenda, but they make different excuses up for why we need to implement it. So it's really cannot possibly be about climate because it started before that was even an issue. And what I think it is about, I think it's land use restriction. I think it's obviously got something to do with controlling the human beings with surveillance, also with a kind of censorship. You control information, controlling communication, which includes people interacting as well as information. But I kind of feel like, One thing that's hardly ever mentioned, but I also found it in kind of buried in the history of some of these documents that it used to be called like digitizing cities, not just not making walkable cities, but making digital cities, which didn't catch on. But I feel like that's one of the really big reasons this is happening and why COVID was essential to it happening so the 15 minute city is you're not allowed to drive basically, not even in some places within that 15 minutes, you all cars will go away and you're allowed to walk or bike and you're definitely not allowed to drive outside your region. That's happening in Oxford, England right now. And they're saying that uh, because of COVID, you need to, we understand you need to have everything really, really close to you for mental health purposes, whatever. But they talk about it. They're implementing in Paris and they keep referring to the fact that. Prior to COVID, they couldn't get employers to realize, to accept that workers would not show up to work, that they would be able to Zoom work. But thank goodness, COVID broke through that barrier. And now we can have digital work. And there are two reasons they're doing that, in my opinion. One is, these like really global kind of monopolies that are government connected want to rebuild everything everything's built right so you got to build you've got to tear it down and build it up I feel like the Miami condo collapse was a setup to make people want to tear things down and build them up again so they want those contracts. They want to implement green energy. It's a lot of money for them. They want to put the metaverse in place. That's Infosys, Rishi Sunak's father-in-law, Infosys. It's all um, GDF Suez, which is the green energy, is in bed with the guy who invented the 15-minute city. And also, it looks like, I saw pictures of um, the CEO with Anne Hidalgo, the mayor of Paris. But they, the reason I think they... So they're going to digitize work. And the reason I think they get this plan gets the support of like the World Economic Forum and stuff is that those global corporations that make those decisions. I believe that they love the idea of having a global workforce, a global labor force so that they have seven billion people. You get out of line. You want to afford to live in Manhattan. You're out. And um, and they can then they talk uh, one of the institutions that's behind the 15 minute city project is degrowth it's called degrowth and they want to radically reduce consumption and they obviously the standard of living is going to go down and they can you know the the new wage will be this international floor and i feel like that's why all the global corporations would kind of be behind this because they can just continue to absorb any surplus wealth we might have not only to make them rich But more important, I think, to keep us from having any free time or money to resist.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is why, you know, it's been for the longest time, some so-called libertarian elements have supported weak borders, which classically has been a leftist thing, Koch brothers among them. It's not because they believe the oligarchs, are hijacking on um, this identity politics. Oh, we are against racism. We support multiculturalism. They don't give a crap. They're bombing and exploiting those countries where uh, people are, are have other religions or the culture or the ethnicities. What they really care about is to have a movable working force so that they can undermine unions. They can un- undermine salaries. Because if our workers in our, my country... If they have fought for certain levels of rights, then OK, let's just get workers from China doing this for a fraction of the price. And so you will uh, perish. And eventually, if they can have a global working market, never again can the proletariat raise up and challenge them because they will have the monopolies, which is... Actually, the left, uh, economical traditional left, not what passes for the left in America, but uh, here in, in the rest of the world is a different political landscape. And left here means often socialism. And those people who, and, and that means class war uh, against the oligarchs. So those people have completely fallen asleep at the wheel because they can't see what's going on here. They're buying into this identity politics. Uh, distraction, so that they can implement these o- oligarchical agendas. Even though Karl Marx said in *Das Kapital* in the 1800s, he said that this system will inevitably lead to monopolism. Capitalism is just a face. Eventually, it will become corporatism, and they will obviously hijack the state. So, and this is what we really call fascism: is the state and the uh, multinational. You know cartels because they have this face of being different corporations, but <laughs> when you and they deliberately make it hard to track who owns it. But when you come to the top of the uh, monster, you see it's one huge cartel behind it all, and obviously, and no NGO, no civil organization, no government is strong enough today to stand against this. And I I want you to pick your brain about the FTX thing you teased us about because I've become, very recently I've become a Bitcoin maximalist. Uh, And it's not long ago I didn't even know what, you know, the difference between crypto, fiat and Bitcoin. But I'm convinced that they are in a rush to do implement this. Uh, I've told, I talked with Mark about this before. Is that they need to, they're in a hurry because they have to beat Bitcoin to it because if Bitcoin becomes implemented in the world, they're screwed. And they see this is the way it's going. And and they can't do anything about Bitcoin except propaganda, scare us, try to make us not use it. In the meantime, they have to launch these central bank digital currencies. So what do you think about these matters?
2: Well, I am not a crypto person because I have a banking background and I could never understand how to value it i just couldn't i'm not criticizing it i also i did feel like it's a gateway stepping stone to a cashless society but i'm not uh down on it but i just couldn't understand how to value it i couldn't understand how to how to value the not the supply of bitcoin it's clear how to what the supply of bitcoin is but to the extent that there are substitutes ETH and stuff like that i just felt like it was um Impossible for me to get my mind around, so I didn't want to dabble in it. But when I looked at the FTX thing, I, I it had a special interest for me because the main character, this Sam Bankman Freed, he is the son of two Stanford law professors, and I went to Stanford Law School, and his father was my crim professor. So wow. I knew, I, you know, I, I mean, he wouldn't know who I was at all, but mm. I knew him and. I just I liked him and I just could not imagine that he or the his kids would be involved in something illegal or even really unethical. Like I just couldn't get my mind around it. So it made me kind of try to crack that code. And also the mother was a professor and she wrote on ethics and stuff and they were it was just didn't make sense to me. So as I dug into it, I started to think that, and then the girl, the other character, and their characters—they're dressed up like yeah. nerds. You see only one image of them all the time, which is a big tell. Like that, Caroline Ellison has like one or two pictures of herself, and there's just you know somebody worth billions of dollars. She can't—I don't know what. Get her don't teeth you nicely. don't you
0: think they are they are just patsies? They're obviously on the no. specter.
2: No, I don't think so. I think what I think is that they were that and so her father was the head of the economics department at MIT and Gary Gensler, who's the SEC chief right now, he used to be, I think, maybe the commodity um, and exchange commission chief, something like that. People that worked for him were in that organization. Bankman, another professor I had at Stanford Law School, was a former SEC commissioner who's good friends with Bankman. They joined around the same year as professors there. I feel like and the parents supposedly had an ethical system called utilitarianism. I mean, I know what utilitarianism is, but they I think they had a very specific um definition of that and then supposedly the kids were part of effective altruism and uh, you know whatever just like do what works kind of thing and I firmly believe that they oh, that is absolutely a conspiracy that the SEC guys or whatever they all agreed that for the good of the majority, crypto needs to be regulated. And I don't know if they know what you're saying, like I, what you just said. They, to they want to be. make
0: it to securities, right?
2: I think, yeah, they definitely, but it is kind of, you know, like I, I FTX US did have some, some. Compliance obligations, which it met like I don't even think they I bet when the rubber hits the road, they did not actually break any U.S. laws and they will say, see, I should have been stopped. And I think they think that they are doing a service to humanity by Mm. by demonstrating the evils of this. But for me, like a number one rule for me is if the thing that you say is evil doesn't actually cause the problem that you had to invent to prove how evil it is. Then you're probably <laughs> just wrong. <laughs> you know? mm. Mm. Like you, you, can't like false flags like to make you know we needed to do nine eleven so that we could stop whatever is like, but stop what mm. people who didn't do it like.
0: No, but what? no, but you know that is the philosophy. That's what they say about COVID. You know, in Chicago, no, uh, yeah, in no, in Boston, they are amping the virus up to eighty percent mortality, and and the excuse to do what's called, uh, they call this uh, gain of function, Yeah, gain of function. Yeah, the excuse is, oh, it is to stop in case nature throws something heavy at us. So we are actually creating this problem in order to stop this problem. And in actual fact, nature has never, they never, not one gain of function to date has been useful. They have no examples of precedence. So it's just, uh, this is the excuse they use on everything, 9-11, like you said, everything.
2: Yeah. And, and there I coined a phrase the AstraZeneca effect because AstraZeneca had four cities where they were doing trials. I think mm-hmm. one was in South Africa. London was one. I think one was in Kenya and another one was in Brazil. And that was where the four variants first emerged. There was a one to one correlation between AstraZeneca vaccine trials and new strains of covid. One to one. <laughs> so, I would, I would,
0: I would venture accept Omicron. I think Omicron was uh, the virus allowed to have a natural development. Uh, yes,
2: it, it was because it actually, broke out
0: among uh, unvaccinated.
2: Yeah, it was like Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta. Like the, that was the. Yeah. those were the original yeah. variants. The they Just ones. match yeah. them to cities. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So they do. They make that stuff up, but. Um, They yes, I have I have a strong aversion to trying to prove your point by creating by fabricating something that didn't really happen. <laughs> it just makes me crazy.
0: Mm.
2: I have a bunch of things from before that uh, about the I uh, just three things that you cracked the code for me just by talking Al about the mm-hmm. uh, about the fifteen minute cities and that stuff that I just wanted to point out because they were really good. You said about the immigration, the Koch brothers, and they want to have open borders. And one of the things that I've talked about, and I think Mark might have caught this, separate from my work on on, a, on the 15-Minute Cities or whatever, I've been talking to Ian Davis. I don't know if you know him, but I really like his stuff in Off Guardian, and I have talked to him on the Eric a few times. And we talk about this, like, multipolar world order, but he talks about how we're going. He talks about regionalization in a different way. And for me... Uh, like they did the globalization and now for some reason they're pulling back. And the best evidence I have is that airlines, this made me kind of like not realize that government's not incompetent. Our airline record is like zero deaths, except for two sketchy incidents I don't count, but like zero deaths on U.S.-run commercial jets in the past 10 or 15 years. I mean, they know what they're doing. And now all of a sudden there are all these glitches in airlines. Like they don't want us to travel anymore. They did want us to travel, hmm. which is why it was perfect. And they don't now. And I was like, why are they shutting down? Did they accomplish their goal? Like, did they mix up all the cultures in the world? Like, do they have enough? Uh, I didn't even think about the labor issue, but I just couldn't understand why they, there was a phase shift, and mm. and what you were saying about the mobility of labor. This GDF Suez, which I was saying, is hand in hand with Marino. They, one of the things that they do in a subdivision, Ineo, I-N-E-O, is, um, mobile workforce management. And I was like, and it talks about like, do you relocate your employees? And I was thinking, it seems more like the mobile workforce they're talking about isn't about relocating employees. It's about reaching employees where they are. And if Mm. they're making that transition to a mobile workforce in the digiverse, they could. Now shut us down because, you know, mm. interaction communication is kind of a limited hangout in itself because people talk to each other. That's why they shut down the bars. And. Mm. Two other things. One is, you said, like cities will be a hellscape. This is another thing I was trying to crack the code on the 15 minute city on homelessness um, and on the housing thing that Biden put out. They keep talking over and over again about taking uh, the ideal number is 25 percent. They want to take rich neighborhoods and make 25 percent of that uh poor. They want to put. 20 uh government projects as 25 percent of the housing in rich neighborhoods to, to deliberately do that. So if you have a 15 minute city and it's an affluent community and then you take 25 percent of it and put poor people in there, that's great if they're going to maintain it. But every time I've seen like when I was researching the homelessness and stuff like every crisis was a result of having created dependency and then pulling out the money. And mm. I was like, they're going to pull out the money. They're going to cause a crisis. Like I don't know why, but who are...
0: talked about this for the for the longest time. Who? Catherine Austin Fitz.
2: Oh, Catherine Austin Fitz. Yeah. Mm. So so I just uh, they, it is. I definitely they are setting setting up the hellscape because I was like, why yeah. would it be a hellscape? Well, if you cord it off. And put poor people in there and then take their money away. You're gonna have problems, and they're not gonna let the rich people leave for sure. And it's not rich people; I think it's the professional class, it's the workers, yeah, it's, it's, it's the upper taxpayers. middle class, yeah. But the yeah, upper they're gonna class- pull the plug on them. Yes. And they do. Mm. It's like the bourgeoisie who was the threat to the French, you know, mm. aristocracy. It was the the. so I have a lot of sympathy for the professional class because they are the ones who spend all that money on school loans, then, you know, pay all the all the taxes and they work their ass off as opposed to the idle rich who don't really get that progressive mm. taxation or anything. And that brings me to the third point, which you made that I have um uh, observed and understand completely, is that our. Our idea of socialism or our political landscape is very different. And I attribute it to the fact that prior to whenever the turning point was, I think it was probably Obama, where here you didn't have to we didn't have the landed gentry actually tie up all the land in this country 800 years ago or whatever. Like we Mm. you could carve out your space like until Mm. like I think the tipping point was Obama. So for us, this idea that the rich have ill-gotten gains. It just, it isn't true because everybody knows somebody who got rich. I mean, you know people who don't even speak English who opened a restaurant and they're the richest the guy. American Dream. The, the richest guys in my town owned El Bandito mm. restaurant. They were Mexicans mm. and mm. like, wow, it's still there. And, uh, but in when I go to England and I see you know, a square that still has the name on it of the count from hundreds Mm. of years ago whose family still owns it because they do that Mm. 99-year lease thing. At what point were you supposed, And the enclosure movement, all these things, at what point were you supposed to be able to have a fair, you know, when they used force to, or unfair laws and stuff to keep people from owning the land that they tilled, that's a wrong that has a legacy now. And I feel like that's what, is the mindset of people who say like they have an unfair advantage? Like the most, at least they can they can subsidize our living because we're never getting that land back. So I can see the difference between the but this fifteen minute
0: city thing. Yeah. It only works in um, industrial countries and in the huge cities. It, it, for example, in a country like mine, it's going to be very hard to implement.
2: Well, one big thing is that they are they are focusing on density. So they want to create density. So they're not putting any regulations up. They're not doing any traffic analysis. So they've stopped doing congestion analysis. So that new I think they're abandoning traffic control so that people get like freaked out by the cars and the congestion. So they're focusing on vehicle miles traveled, which will That can go down while while traffic jams go through the roof, which is what's happening in Paris. But one of the things that are exempted from any kind of assessment whatsoever is called infill developments. They talk about this over and over again. They have to greatly increase the density, the population density of these cities. And the thing that they're building in Saudi Arabia called the line is is. I can tell you about it if you want, but it's on steroids. It's a hundred mile city of just two buildings face to face as tall as two Raj Khalifas or whatever they're called on top of each other. And uh, that the desired population density in that city is 10 times the population density of the densest city on Earth today. But Paris is one of the densest cities in the country, in the world. And that's why they're starting there, because you're right, mm. it cannot work without in, in, extreme Population density, they call it vertical living, stacked housing. There's tons of synonyms for it. But the thing is, it's not this crazy conspiracy theory. It is absolutely happening and being implemented in many, many cities. But Barcelona, Paris, um, London's doing a little bit of it. Those are the the big ones. Yeah,
0: the conspiracy part would be to speculate about the the true purpose of it right not not that it exists this is so interesting monica but uh, we're reaching the top of the hour and mark probably has other things on the agenda before <laughs> we close shop but I, i'd suggest this sounds like a great Forum borealis show so if you like we we do deep we like long form and you need time to make your case here yeah. <laughs> i talk so really on my fast, show
2: though, fast though
0: you do, you do, but uh, <laughs> still, we could fill four hours with this. So Happy come on my show one day, and and I'll, I'll let you go into more details about these things. Over okay. to you, Mark.
1: Yeah, thank you, Al. I we could have I could have just sat here and kept listening. This is so informative. Now I do want to make a comparison. Um, you know, I will say about the fifteen minute cities. It's precarious, you know, to think about human health in a situation like that you know it seems like a ticking time bomb and speaking of ticking time bombs we have the airline industry that uh seems to be going through like a controlled demolition right now and i i think this is history repeating itself i'm not sure if you're familiar monica with the millionaire's flight have you ever heard of the millionaire's flight it's, it was mm, I don't know it was the final successful trip of the Hindenburg before it exploded and some of the passengers on the millionaire's flight were gentlemen like uh well Nelson Rockefeller um, and some other very important automobile uh, figures like president of cord automobile company uh German ambassador to the United States, president of Goodyear Tire and Rubber, director of the Hamburg America Line, and officer of Standard Oil. So on and on and on, all these important people took the final flight on the Hindenburg. And, uh, you know, for people who aren't familiar with balloons and dirigibles, that's a free energy technology. You know, you essentially are, you know, saving a lot of money floating through the air in a balloon. It's much more cost, uh, inefficient. To fly a plane with jet engines that require fuel. So this is what they're setting the stage for back then, blowing up the the you know, free option of air travel and replacing it with one that they could commodify more easily. And now, you know, with these bullet trains and tracking and that being the emphasis with data, they're ready to eliminate flight altogether. They've already got the whole world stitched up the way they want it. Let's leave people uh, you know, back into the age of boats where you you have to, you know, take a boat to, to go international. I think that's really what we're heading towards cuz think about how much that restricts people's autonomy when you can't, you know, leave your own country.
2: You make a great point. It goes right to one thing that I highlighted. Actually, one of the reasons I went into the transportation stuff at World Economic Forum is that I definitely smell a rat on what's happening with the airlines, with the FAA shutdown, with Southwest shutdown. All that stuff is totally fishy to me. And I found in the World Economic Forum documents that, you know, they asked uh, people in the airline industry what they expect for 2023, and it was all focused on sustainable Air fuel, I think they call it. And what they were saying was, well, we're going to move to electric planes, but they have a really, really short range. You can't if they're just completely like a regional and I didn't I figured it was something that they would fix eventually, but maybe they won't fix it. Maybe to your point, they won't. And I felt like all the all the fishy stuff that's going on with airlines is just to set us up with all the actual problems it that will happen when they start converting it to a, a electric. There's going to be there are going to be accidents and there is there are going to be slowdowns. There are going to be shutdowns. There's going to be problems. So I totally agree that there that that would contribute to this just regionalization.
0: Yeah. But America has been very hard to, you know, they, they for the longest time, they haven't encouraged Americans to leave USA. If you don't have a lot of money, it's very hard to get a passport. Uh, I know this from people I know over there. And it's as if, and they have, I mean, for us, it's super simple to get a passport. Over there, it's a hellish bureaucracy. So and. And then they have, since 9-11, right, scared people about the world outside. I think internet has cracked that narrative control. You know, you had extreme fear of other countries, especially Islam countries, for the longest time.
2: Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And... When uh, the CIA was behind and China, you know, uh, the the Republicans are supposed to hate on China. The Democrats are supposed to hate on Russia. And here we go, one step left, one step right, one step left, one step right. So it's like a, America, USA has, uh, I've perceived for, for a very long time that it's as if they want to make it into what we call a fastening. What's that in English? Like not a castle, but, um, you know, you're damaging. Fortress. fortress is the road. Yeah, yeah, fortress.
2: Yeah, Africa too. Like one mosquito bite away from AIDS in Africa, now that you mention yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly. I like you say go to Africa, I'm like, ooh, mosquitoes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well <laughs> so I mean, I've been all over the world. It's one of the better destinations.
2: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I know. They,
1: <laughs> they've got propaganda for every corner of the world. Yeah. It seems like there's an American um Just
0: psychological fear of the outside definitely. Yeah, but that's been cracking off the internet. That's the thing. Mm. Americans now are super knowledgeable about stuff in the rest of the world. Thanks to the Iraq war. Thanks to.
1: And I think it has more as well to do with the internet, obviously, but with the freedom of media that's now available. I mean, YouTube, essentially anybody can create content And what I really love is these videos um, where people go and speak other languages in other countries and it's like this short little white kid and nobody expects him to know like this rare language and he Mm. goes and surprises people. And it just shows how connected we all really are and how thin the barrier between cultures is. You know, all it takes is learning the language. But uh, yeah, they don't want that. They don't want that kind of connection. I think podcasts as well. Uh, English being such a universal language, we're kind of spreading a lot of these American ideas uh, into places where maybe they uh, they need a, a, an American idea. I don't know. I, I tend to think Americans' culture is so full of propaganda that it's like, no, don't don't absorb our culture. But at least podcasting is is somewhat
0: uh, no, it, it's that. much better because for the longest time, Hollywood. And the horrible TV industry has polluted the world with this false image, false culture, propaganda, uh, cultural imperialism, hand in hand with actual imperialism, you know, McDonald's and whatnot. So uh, podcasts, you know, people all over the world, more and more people speak English. So it's easier to connect or, or, uh, over the globe. And podcasts gets out more of the real American values Like you still have very sound, for example, liberty. I mean, among the people I'm talking about now, liberty values, which may be unheard of many places in in the world. And so I think it's very important for us in the podcast space because we are the last free speech space online now to try to bond more across borders because this fight is global. We always used to uh, joke like what comes in America give it 10 years and it's a reality here so <laughs> but uh, it's these better days, than the that's... other
2: way around these 15 minute cities I don't want them coming here I, you'd yeah be they're, they're, off they're, there. they're not
0: started <laughs> yeah that's right because of the American spirit and values they're not started there but no. we don't have 10 years that's the point so we have to bond across the border because it's a global fight now these are globalists right? So pop, the population, the, the populism, has to be global too, and then we can't fall into these left-right distractions, neither the mask no mask distractions, neither the Christian or, or 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 secular or Christian or Muslim, all sorts of attempts to make you hate your neighbors instead of your man the man is a distraction. So uh, I, I despise it, and I see this a lot in, in also in our space. That people on the left they think everything on the right. It's a team thinking. It's tribal. Oh, they are they are crypto fascists. You know, Donald Trump was a fascist. Was a Nazi? Bullshit. If he was a Nazi, if he was a fascist, he would have ceased upon COVID, like certain other countries did. And, but he he was more like DeSantos there. Uh, let it, uh, you know, try to... Um, of course, he had a bureaucracy against him. Same with the people on the right. Everything is communist. Oh, my God. We're back to the red skin. Ugh, I can't no, stand that. Biden isn't a communist. I mean, <laughs> he's, a, he's a corporatist deluxe. The they only- have no idea what socialism is. So this left-right bullshit thing is used to scare people. Come to our side. Come to our side. And then you can oppose. doesn't work because they're going to play this game of... You know, the establishment right taking over and trying to usurp populism right. Then the establishment left taking over, usurping populism left. Then the uh, corporate right again, corporate left. Bullshit. We have to break free of this um, reason.
2: The tell of that is over time, across countries it always the them, you know, capital T, they, and you can identify them. I could run through it, the World Economic Forum, the UN, whatever. I can give you names. I can give you corporations, whatever. But the- CFO. Yeah. When they're on the same page, or if you look at the websites, Rockefeller Foundation, look at the websites and see if there's any disagreement whatsoever on their agenda. So they'll say, we want Hmm. to fight like, global warming or poverty or race or gender, or whatever. There's absolutely no, no yes, exchange again. of ideas, nothing. So they have an agenda. It's a very clear what it is. They're not honest about their motives. And that's all we need to know. The rest of us are not in on that game. The agenda doesn't serve us. We don't have ulterior motives. We conspire with other people about. So I agree with you. These uh, issue by issue divisions are absolutely meant for us Identity to politics. Yeah. And Trump did bring identity politics to the right here, in my opinion, that people mm. weren't even into that on the right, couldn't even didn't even make any sense to them. But now I guess it does. But yes, I think it is very clear. That no, it's no, they they, they
0: buy into it to abortion or all, all this stuff. But the thing about the globalists, you know, they implement, they, they give us bullshit things that we are supposed to fight about. Usually trivial things, nothing to do with, never anything to do with economics. And the things... is against, like, transhumanism, Malthusianism. We never vote uh, about that. That's just being implemented on both the right and the left. Bam. Here, transhumanism. Of course, technocracy. That's where we have to go. Nobody would support it if it was out for popular vote in any country.
1: Yeah, it seems like that's the push for us all to be plugged into the matrix in these 15-minute cities, and it won't even matter because our virtual reality will be so limitless that uh, who cares? We we want it to be so quick to go to the grocery store because we got to get right back into the virtual world. Uh, Hopefully that's not what it gets to, but I was talking to a, a gentleman who Al introduced me to. His name's Lauren Jeffries. He's a Native American elder, and he was sort of uh, laughing about how they've taken the word virtual and changed, inverted it to mean something totally different you know, virtual <laughs> Virtual used to mean more real or like the essence of something and now it means like, you know, this sort of matrix that you imagine Yeah, that's big, a good point. Green lines and black, you know, background and, you know, you're there like the Tron man on some kind of bikes <laughs> you know, sailing through
0: the They, they the don't Texas. the same with the word literal have you noticed how people are using the word? It's literally <laughs> when it's not. When it's no, metaphorical. exactly. It's the opposite, right? <laughs> it's the so opposite. So it's this, du- this double speak times where black is white and you know up is down. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why the power of these
1: conversations, I think, is ever more dangerous to the powers that be. You know, like our podcast. I mean, it seems like thanks to Adam Curry it's very hard to censor podcasts now, you know, I mean, Apple used to have the kind of monopoly over the whole list and that's how they were able to shut Alex Jones's podcast off. But, uh, after that happened, Adam Curry created a backup and, you know, considering you're a podcaster yourself, Monica, has anything come up in your deep dives that makes you uh, worried about this little uh, community we're in? Do you think we're sort of immune from uh, what's going on on YouTube and in the mainstream media for now?
2: Well, I do see it go in waves and I remember on, uh, February 14th, 2018, when the Parkland event happened at the high school down there, I was trying to do research for my show. My radio show was like that weekend. And I, for the first time ever, could not get the truth. Like, there was no alternative stuff on YouTube. None. No video from the scene or anything. And I came, my show was, I started with the internet died this week. And then... In August of that, so six months later, I should have been aware, ready for it, but my WordPress site, which was really a lot of work for me, like I had really put a lot into it for like seven years, it was totally taken down. I lost a lot of stuff, not everything. I retrieved a little bit of stuff in the end, but they had totally tricked me into, I had a picture up there of somebody who was at the Sandy Hook, Thing, a victim whose the identical picture was used in Pakistan to say it was the victim of a school shooting there. And all I wrote was those two pictures. And I said, this is crazy. And WordPress said, oh, the father of that person wants you to take that down. And I said, OK, but I had a couple of pictures. So I took the one they asked for. And then the next one I was supposed to take down. And they said, but look, we don't think you should like you have fair use rights. That was on the BBC. We fought and won. Here are the cases. This WordPress send me an email. And it's like, okay, I'll leave it up there. And then a week later, they didn't just take down the picture, they took down my entire site. So that and that was right around the Alex Jones thing. So there was that wave where yeah, it really sucked for me and I never blogged again. It really it did exactly what they wanted. I was totally demoralized. And then um but then so but my radio station was like, "Oh, you got to tell people about that. Like, you know, banned from YouTube, but or WordPress or whatever, but welcome on WSB." But it changed so much over the years. Like they eventually said, look, if you get taken down from Twitter or whatever, the cancel culture will come after us. And we don't care what you say on the show, but we will have to take you down because you won't be a viable product anymore. And I wasn't really deterred because I I'm not I don't I don't get too crazy. And but then uh, when I got taken down from the radio that's when they were sending memos out to people. If you talk about the election anymore, your show will be canceled. So they they it was kind of and then I got a lot of stuff taken off of YouTube because of that, too. So it was like a, a, a leveling up. I feel like they every once in a while they level up. But and, and I think they will come after podcasts. I'm always waiting for something to get taken down. I'm waiting to get completely deplatformed from iTunes. I can't believe I'm still there. But I feel like the one saving grace about podcasting, and it's the thing that I want to change about podcasting, is this idea that it's really important for them to have silos. They need you. I, I was listening to an author. It might have been Alfred McCoy. I think it was him, but it could be wrong. Saying that he had all this stuff in a book, and and it had a lot of classified material that the CIA was willing to let him publish. But they asked him to you, he could he couldn't like connect dots to political stuff they said you can write a you can put all this information in a different book but don't put it in the same book as like the drug war stuff if you separate it it's okay so I feel like you can say stuff on CNN that you're not allowed to sandbox and vice versa and that they and the podcasting is easy to silo that's why I like the idea of networking even if it's just, the kind of left-leaning people who are disillusioned with the Democrats, the way so many right-leaning people are disillusioned with Republicans, they have podcasts too. And a lot of libertarians don't even know that. And if there were a way to to cross over, it would be more dangerous. Like then podcasting, I think, would get more scrutiny and probably then trigger like a cascade of regulation. But I feel like that would be the way to do what Al's saying about we need to get on the same page and we can reach audiences who don't always hear like the same stuff that, you know, the audiences are, are separate, but I think that there should be more crossover, but that would be the danger. But as long as we stay in our silos, I feel like we might have a little time.
1: Yeah. Thank Mm -hmm. you for saying that. That's a, a good push for me to, Reach out uh, outside of the box and get some other people that maybe I don't listen to uh, onto Alt Media United because, you know, just by the, the byproduct of the past four years, I think we have tended to pick up more libertarian podcasters in Alt yeah, Media but, United. That's but just... Mark,
0: we never ha- we've never had, and you were very adamant about this from the outset, that we yeah. never had any a thought control. I mean, we take right. everyone if they mark certain boxes, right? Mm. So we need that diversity, obviously, among our, our own people. And and when we launch, uh, uh, unavoidably, the app in the future, uh, people will get in their stream all sorts of subjects from all sorts of kind of podcasts. It's not just the left-right thing. There's, like Monica makes a great point about the siloing, right? The siloing is also thematically. And I'm one of I'm a variety show. So I'm, I'm seeing this. It's very challenging to have many different kinds of topics, everything from spirituality to economy, right? Withstanding the cancer culture fear that, you know, I, I, I tried to get a guest on. I bitched about this before, but it's worth mentioning. He knows others in his field, but he doesn't know who's all these other people. This looks like crazy stuff to me, right? A 9-11 scholar? No, no, I, I can't go on this show. But if I only were concerned with the subject he was into he will see, oh, this person, that person, that subject, oh, of course I'm coming on. So this problem goes both ways, not just with uh, reaching the audience, but also reaching the right guests. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to go back to, because it used to be like that. Remember the old saying, any advertisement is good advertisement? It's the completely opposite thinking now. Nobody wants a platform. Hey, I can give you 70,000 interested ears. Come on, come on. Oh no, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of coming on. As if, as if it can hurt you to come on rather than open it. So we need to go go back to there that it's okay. You know, we can have different opinions. We can have different subjects. Anything goes. And I think you mentioned Art Bell, right? That's what one of the strengths of that show. Although they are within a certain space, they wear a variety show within that space. They could be much more specialized than just have UFOs, for example. But they managed very well to have, they even got skeptics on, right? This was the old days. That was how it used to be. We need to go back to that. We need to fight the silos because is there one thing they fear? It's what's called a unified field theory. It's true in science. It's true in politics. It's true in social life, everything. They need a silos because those are prisons.
2: I will also say that the one, if you want to level up from there, the one thing I miss so, so much, and, you know, I want to kind of do call in stuff on my podcast, but again, that will just be my listeners calling. And there was something really valuable about as a podcaster, you have a guest and, and you do exchange ideas, but listeners, if you have 10,000 listeners or whatever, a lot of them are going to have the same reaction to you and you're not hearing what they're hearing. So calls are great for that. And especially calls that are not people who you're preaching to the choir. So if you have a way of bringing that kind of variety, and I'm not suggesting for a second, you are avoiding that, but I think it has to be a really proactive thing to get people to, um, you know, integrate their shows. Then maybe you get, I don't know if you do streaming, like I think the the float will do that or I don't know, I, um, you know, Media Monarchy does that like he'll just do streaming and he'll just put episodes in back to back and someone will just turn it on and listen to it. If you uh, made people schedule live 24 seven, I guess, like TNT does, you might be able to get calls from ideologically different shows, people who are skeptical and that will allow you give you the opportunity kind of socratically to make a better argument or to be corrected there was a real value in that and i find it impossible to recreate outside of the terrestrial radio which is probably close to us now
1: mm. oh, man. i hope not i we have friends like joe at fringe fm who plan on uh hopefully putting a satellite up in the air to to keep radio going i mean who knows how how that is going to turn out or what well, sign
2: me of, up yeah what kind <laughs> I'm of ready.
1: implications go with that but uh yeah i thought about taking a, a google phone number and flyering around local areas and maybe even in big cities and just putting a, an innocuous sort of mundane maybe rhetorical question like tell us how you feel uh, with the number you know and just see who who calls maybe something even cons- suggesting conspiracy but yeah, I, I definitely agree. There is a magic to that uh, open pool of anybody who just turned their car station, you know, as they're driving to this. I mean, that I remember finding Coast to Coast when I was a kid because I was sitting up front yes. and my dad was like, yeah, whatever. And I'm playing with the radio and I hear something about aliens and I'm like, whoa. Like, whoa
2: yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> i know i remember discovery. the first time i heard it i was like what <laughs> <laughs> right my mother 94 she turned 94 yesterday and she is she still wow. goes to sleep listening to coast to coast radio
1: wow wow yeah and luckily they have it all archived on online so folks who can't tune in uh you can go and search it but uh yeah i, I agree there's a magic there so Before we come to a close here, what are your goals for 2023 and uh, for your show, Deep Dives?
2: Well, a big part of what I'm doing in 2023 is I want to kind of mm, get a rhythm going with the show. I want to um, grow my listener base, but one thing I'm doing, which I would like to, I feel like it's really important. I think, though, Bishop might've said this to me. Like you have to make sure your own garden is tended. And because I have some things like my mom's 94 and she wants to stay in her house and she has a lot of kids and we can like all go and stay with her and take turns doing that. I felt like even if it costs me a little bit, I need to, prioritize the people in my life who are there and need me now. So, and I've got, my kids are going off to college, but they're not all gone yet. And I, I really want to, be, you know, I think when my kids are gone, I'll have so much time to cook. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. there'll be nobody there to eat it. So I've just been trying to do like food preservation. And I mean, my kids clamor for bone broth of all things. Like they just, you know, you can't make enough bone broth for these kids. And I just, I feel like, It's if you can change one thing in this world and all the conspiracies and the plots, it's passing on that human connection, the ethics, the values, demonstrating modeling behavior to your kids and to and making more connections in the community, I decided to like try to make friends, even though nine out of 10 people run and scream, but <laughs> I try. And so my goal for the show is to make extreme, like really, really good use of my time. Like the 80, 20 rule, like 80% of the value is in 20% of what you're doing. Mm. That's my goal is to refine, to hone, to really add value at the time that I'm spending online and really add value at the time I'm not creating. And I mean, I know maybe that's a chick answer, but I feel like it's it's where I am right now.
1: No, that's a wonderful answer. I love it. It's inspiring, and I've seen a mm-hmm. lot of podcasters in the past few years do things with their audience to initiate more togetherness, meetups. Right? You've seen No Agenda do the meetups, higher side chats. Have you done anything like that? Have you attended? I-
2: Yes. I mean, I was doing that for a while and even advertising their meetups to my people because mm. it was such a great way to piggyback. But one thing I did, I took one of my kids with me last year and I actually did this the year before as well. But last year we did uh, we went to Washington State and Oregon and I met up with three or four like listeners, podcasters, people who I learned. I. Um, met through the show who were either homesteading, who bugged out from the city, won uh, greener postures. They're rejuvenating um, uh, an old, old family farm. Uh, we have berry farmers in Portland. So I go and I bring my kids. I um, My son spent a little time working on a permaculture farm of Bellamy Fitzpatrick, who is a green anarchist and um, in upstate New York. So I really go out of my way to to experience this personally, get on planes, get in the car. I will drop everything for an opportunity like that. And I was just talking to Anthony Raimondo, who is a lawyer. I talked to him because he helped people stay open during lockdown. But he had a Twitter account, which was suspended, 49 acres. But he's in the West Coast of Oregon. And we were talking about doing just a Zoom call With all the people I know who are homesteaders, who are farmers, if you have like a single chicken, let people watch and listen like Union of the Unwanted and just share ideas about how to get started with stuff like that. That's the thing that I feel like, I mean, we've got to stay human. And what could be more human than just literally connecting with the earth?
1: (laughs) Well said. Al, any thoughts on that? You guys are up in a whole other ecosystem up there. Do you have many homesteaders in Norway?
0: Yeah, but uh, mo- most from uh, the old days, not uh, too many of yep. these new idealistic mm. ones. There are some, yeah. Mm. we uh, It's uh, it's very popular to have your own small farm mm. among y- young people. Like, uh, I don't know if they, say you have an English word for it, but uh, yeah, very small, like Garden. self-sufficient. Garden. What do you
2: call it? A garden? <laughs> yes,
0: uh, let's see if there's an English word for it. Um, small farm, garden.
2: See, that's the thing about this 15-minute city, though, that I want that people... like There are a few things that I've gotten off the couch for, and one of them was Obamacare. Like, There are just some tipping points where I will get involved in the political process. And this is one of them. And I feel like the people who are doing the homesteading, who want to start parallel systems, they've got to pay attention to this because... There will be regional land use restrictions that will affect basically everybody. And I feel like we've got if we're going to keep this at bay, we have to do it before. I mean, I saw one thing in California. It said, is there any way to reverse this? And the answer was, well, there might be. But all the courts are closed for two years because of covid. So by then it'll be implemented. So once it passes, there's a problem and I, mm. so i feel like it's we might it's all fun and games i love to make sauerkraut but we might have to go to some city council meetings too
1: yeah well and and i champion that i think alex stein a friend of mine has you know made a a sort of uh game of it and uh yeah that's a little bit more mockery than than. but sometimes that, that can push the narrative forward when you bring attention to it i mean you get some copycats but you also get some people who see the the utter idiocracy afoot in a lot of these councils
2: I had it written down in my notes, like and not that not in the mockery way, but he's absolutely fantastic. But that it is because it is a puzzle or game like I will. It's not it might be boring to go to the meetings, but to sleuth out what they're up to through regional planning, sustainable committee. You're like, I got you. You can go listen to their Zoom call like you can figure it out. Uh, you got to get other people to help you because you might need to be in two places at once or bring a, you know, a posse that you're supposed to anonymously like not act like you know each other, but sprinkle them in the crowd and like, I object, I object. So, but it can be, it does look like it can be game like and, uh, engaging. And, and there are people who probably do want to like property owners, grandparents, you know, like people who really want to get involved in this. I mean, I don't mean like get involved, start a company like, stop some of these laws from opening the door to these kind of environmental regulations.
1: Mm, right. And we need to call on our elders. You know, I, I think that's a big part of it too, is, is getting our, our elderly, our wise, you know, the generation, a lot of them have, you know, lived through so much propaganda. It's hard to, hard to get, uh, get them in tune with this kind of stuff. But some of them are, are are very wise and we need their help. You know, we need their wisdom. So, yeah, Monica, mm. this has been a really excellent conversation, as I expected. It's always a pleasure talking to you. It's always very fun. So, folks who haven't tuned in yet, I'm surprised if you haven't, go and check out Monica's Deep Dives and, of course, Brad on the Propaganda Report. We love him, too. Uh, and, Monica, anything else that you want to plug? Uh, you said you, your WordPress blog was... Crushed. I'm sorry to hear that. I know it was a while ago, but I started a Substack recently, and that seems to be a, a good place to to get articles out.
2: Yeah, I I feel like next year when I do have my you know my kids are gone and stuff, I'll have I will really be able to put out content like as a full-time thing. I did salvage my old articles, which were great. I'm really happy with that because they were a little bit prescient. And I have that on my URL is monicasdeepdives.com. And you can listen to my show. I have a web player. I have all the stuff on there. It's not as active as it used to be, but I'm, I'm making something cool, like a little Twitter type feed for when I get shut down from Twitter. So you can connect with me on Monica's Deep Dives. I do when I'm not on a crash diet like I am right now. I do contribute to another blog, Monica Mixes. So I make my cocktails there. It's really just a way to have my recipes with me when I'm visiting my mom, <laughs> who at 94 So why don't you make me a drink? I, you just do such a good job, but lots of ice, lots and lots of ice. I'm like, okay, mom. So I do that. And I just uh, do love to communicate with people. The best way is at Monica Perez Show on Twitter.
1: Right on. Well, thank you so much, Al. Anything uh, you want to ask? Any final thoughts? Or, of course, people can find you at Forum Borealis.
0: Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. We're we're over the time, so let's <laughs> let's exit on a high note. Wonderful. <laughs> All
1: right, with that, folks, thank you so much for tuning in and immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now. All right. Thanks to Monica Perez for joining us here on our show. You can, of course, follow her at Monica Perez Show on Twitter. She's got a link tree that links to all of her different socials whichever you prefer and of course you can go to monica deep very simple and get all of the shows that she does monica deep the link is in the description of this episode wherever you're listening whether it's on the video platforms or the audio platforms uh we're happy that you're tuning in al what did you think of this great oh,
0: conversation she was a great choice of a guest i didn't know her before we started you dragged her out of the woodworks but or maybe i'm the one in the woodworks because of course i haven't heard about her but yeah totally like i said i'd like to have her on my show awesome
1: yeah yeah she's been on my show in the past we had a great conversation about her upbringing we talked about some of her spiritual views but she's got her finger on the pulse of what's happening you know she's great at keeping you informed that's why I tune into her show so uh.
0: yeah and this just goes to show that the partakers of the Cooperative are you know every guest we've had so far top quality top-notch stuff and you know we have to do it ourselves in in this day and age right we, in the mainstream is utterly corrupt so this is where the like I said in the intro this is where the meritocracy exists. And right. as you can hear, uh, you said, what does what makes things popular? I think one clue is being natural, because that's what you don't. You don't get authenticity. I'm not just talking in contents, even in shape. You know, in the mainstream, you don't get it. Everything is so fake, yes, so rigged, so polished and manipulated. And when people actually know something and um, they present it in a no-nonsense way, like I think all our guests, including Monica, did, then it becomes interesting. That's what you want to do in your own life, right? You want to talk with genuine people and have a genuine exchange. Mm. You don't want a lecture. You don't want preaching. You don't want manipulation. You don't want propaganda, advertisement, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm no, right.
1: No, no, that's what we get so much of that i think eventually people get sick of it and they find their way into podcasting and alternative media somehow they they yep intuitively seek it out or it synchronistically finds them like it did for me so yeah i'm really stoked to be a part of that and with altmediaunited.com we kind of give people this hub this discovery you know this place where all of these alternative independent shows can be found. You just don't get that from
0: if they your can be found because that's app. the problem, right? You talked about how 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 or maybe that was. You you said to me, I think off the record, you talked about how. Uh, apple and or you said it in part one i can't forget I, I can't remember but you said how there may be a monkey business with the algorithm for access well someone who certainly does this is a search engines right without them we're kind of screwed right right and there there's only
1: one i mean i don't think you're going to talk about this one today but there's one podcast search engine that i use um called listennotes.com. And from what I've seen, they give the most accurate rankings for podcasts. It's not it's not on a chart the way you would have like a top genre chart in the Apple podcast, but uh, it's still a good measurement of how you're doing as a podcaster. I usually check up on it and see and if I'm gonna have a guest on the show, sometimes I'll see you know how popular their show is on listen notes. And it's become a good search engine for podcasting. But you're right. Even with podcasting, I mean, you try to find, you know, on your average podcast app, uh, let's say Spotify or let's say, you know, Apple Podcasts. You try to find a conspiracy show and, you know, there's all sorts of uh, crap that gets put at the front, you know. And I say crap because I've listened to some of these shows and they're just mainstream hit pieces Guised as conspiracy podcasts you know they they have all the main or top- it's outrageous
0: conspiracies uh, right conspiracy right. <laughs> uh, what you say in english like, deranged <laughs> yeah yeah like they're having they it's a cesspool and they're wallowing in it you mean like uh, an echo chamber like like well more like more like I, I think the idea is that there will always be lunatics among us well and but, but my point people. my point uh, we need to more... we need to seize sorry we need to seize them so they don't go to you know the real places where they w- wake up and get educated we need to seize them so we need to keep them busy you know thinking that everything is uh, everyone uh, the, the, the listed people uh, running the world or whatever mm. and I mean, no disrespect to those who sincerely believe it, but I'm picking on them now as an example. So go there. And for the normies, also go there, get scared or entertained, and then come back to the mainstream and feel that you're above the fray. And yeah, <laughs> I was flirting with cuckoo land. It's entertaining or I'm scared. I'm I'm shocked. Now let's go back to safety. Let's get, go back to the sensibility rules. Right. This used to be the name of the game, but the way they are running the world these days, <laughs> people realize, oh my God, mm-hmm. the mainstream is the worst you know uh prison of them all,
1: yeah, yeah, and then these algorithms and these search engines certainly can trap you, and if you're a content creator like we are it's it's all the more important to give your content, whether it's a channel or a podcast or whatever it is, give it a unique name that's searchable and test it out before you even, you know, pick the name. That's what I did with My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. I kind of had the instinct that it would be a a great title for a show. And then upon searching it, I was reassured to find out there had never been a book published by that title and there had never been a website published with that title. So I was Mm. like, oh great, you know, I'm kind of, you know, the first person to put this in a, you know, a website and on a podcast, that's gonna make for great searchability. And so far people have had no troubles finding my show or so it seems. And I, I have to say you have a very unique name for your show as well. Although people might find things for like the Aurora Borealis, if they type in your your <laughs> podcast, yours does come up first when I search it. So yeah, it, it's important to keep that in mind and and also know what's really going on with these search engines. So I'm kind of uh, awaiting what you have to say, Al, because it seems like you've done some
0: pretty interesting research into these search engines. Yeah. So the the context to this is that people have discovered how they are rigging. I mean, you know, in the old days, I don't know if you're old enough to, to have been a part of this, but in the old days we used to, for sport, some of us see how far back we could go. There were like millions of hits. You could you know go page after page after page so you could take a random page page 3456 see what pops up there and it really swept the internet and people still believe that's what's going on because 95% or something of all searches never go past the first page did you know that
1: yeah, 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 we've, we've talked about this, and I do remember, because back in the early days of Google, they would actually spell out the word Google and the O's in the... The word Google, at least at the English version of the web. I don't know if they could do this in on your version of the web over there in Norway. But yeah, in the English version of the web they would have it like G O O O O O and you would click on one of the O's and it would when you put your right. your cursor over it, it would tell you like, you know, page search result page seven thousand five hundred and eighty two
0: and it's like Or oh. I, I'm feeling lucky and bam bam, a random page. <laughs> right. Well all that is gone. Right. All right. that is gone. So they're not scrubbing the internet per se but what they are scrubbing is your access to what's out there and as everybody knows they fill the first page not just with advertisement for the mainstream for the corporate outlets but they also give them priority in the hits of course it depends kind of what you're searching for but they try to squeeze it in as much as possible so this for example we saw it on the covid you couldn't find anything about the lab leak. You couldn't find any criticism of the jabs, et cetera. So this is like deliberate. And you name it. It's been going on like this at least since, I think, 16, 17. And so then the question is, are there any alternatives? Because we do know that there's a bunch of alternatives when it comes to preserving your privacy. And among the people who like to know what they're talking about The the following search engines are always put out there, startpage.com, and I want to say I heard that's been compromised lately, just like DuckDuckGo. So there's Ecosia search, there's Jibiru, there's Swisscows, there's Million Short, there's Freespoke search, there's MetaGear, there's Brave Search. There's pre-search, there's want. I don't know even how you say this, some of these, if they had a witch to make a better name, they could actually be spread more. But some of these have horrible names and spellings, I don't know how they can compete. But And then there's uh, I think it's the name because I can only see it in Russian here when I see the preview. And there's Mojik, and those are the ones I've evaluated. Now, I won't rank them one to 10, I guess. Let me count them. Mojik, Yondik, Ecosia, Q1 Pre-Search, Brave Search, Start Page, Metagare, Free Spoke, Million Short, Swiss Gibiro, Ecosia. Oh, and there's Humble. So that's 14, I think. Now, Start page. Now, I was looking for two things. Who? And here's how I did it, folks. Occasionally, I search for my show because I know then what to find. Because I've been doing that on and off since I started. And I started before I did this. And like today, when I search my show on, on Google, there's going to be like, Nine, ten pages. And if you go to Bright Insight, Jimmy Corsetti's excellent YouTube channel, he has a video devoted to this where he shows you that not only are the searches limited, but they repeat the same just to fill the pages. So it feels like there's 10 pages and 100 hits. Or they may say in the search, oh, we found 258,000 hits for you, but they just present 10 pages. And like I said, most of the in the beginning most of it is mainstream crap you know vetted stuff and then there's a lot of repeats so it's very rare you if you fool around with you know where you're searching for from I I, I tried not everyone offers this but I try to find all regions kind of thing because I, I, I I'm annoyed with the with the Regenting because that's a way they can implement censorship. Because in China, for example, they will only only give you the hits that Shine accepts, etc. So it's a way to to help them uh, censor. So I'm not looking into privacy because all of these are more or less similar than supposed not to stalk you. Of course. You have to look into that yourself when you find one that works for you to see because it changes all the time like dr go is famous for having been compromised right so i haven't so so that's a given that all of these are supposedly uh good guys in that so who is censoring that's the question and i have to say i want to i want to say a few words about some of them just give me a minute here to look them up you can edit this out okay because sure. this is unnecessary sure sure let me just open them next one is pre-search then there's brave while i do this what about you mark do you use any of these that i mentioned have you used any of them No,
1: oh, i'm foolishly using duck duck go i mean this is why we needed to talk
0: about this <laughs> Dr. Go is, is completely sold out. Most of them are bringing you info from Google. Okay. So they're just offering Google, but without the tracking. Right. So, how does that help you? Right. Yeah. They don't, so, so it's just halfway there. So, we need to find out who will actually give you the results. So, so Jibiru. The problem with Jibiru is, and I'm using Waterfox. Now, what is Waterfox? Waterfox is Firefox open source, but it's a private version of Firefox, uncensored, anonymous. And it allegedly, well, it not allegedly, experience tells me you can add extensions from both the Firefox browser and the Chrome browser. So, you can have both best of both worlds. That's why I'm going for. F- i tr- I used to use Brave, which it really is the top search a uh, top browser out there. But Brave stopped offering updates. It, it, it kind of expired because I'm old school. I'm using Windows seven. Why seven? Because from ten and onwards, it's not your computer anymore. Everything is in someone else's computer, mm. also known as the cloud. Ugh so and then monitoring it etc now i could of course do do what i should do use ubuntu or some linux alternative but uh, for now i'm i've been using what i'm telling you is also true for the phone by the way i know most people are using phones rather than computers but anyway so gibiro the problem with gibiro is that (laughs) it doesn't show up something is corrupt i've tried and add it again and again, I deleted it and added it, I tried different ways to add it, I tried extension, it just doesn't work. So sorry, folks, I can't tell you how much or how little Gibiro sends us. That's therefore not give give us a faulty product and the same is also true for another one and that one is called, which one was that, sorry, this one, a million search. No, million short. Million short is apparently a great thing, but I, I don't know Of course, again, it doesn't work. When I see the settings, I, I often m- go into the settings. I put in, like I said, all regions. That's important if you want all hits. You also have to take off the adult filter because the adult filter is not just porn. It's more than that. And n- nonetheless, you don't want, unless it's your children, you don't want the nanny state to, to do this for you. And you can also fix the language and you can also open links in a new windows. I, I prefer that. So million short has the good settings, but it just doesn't work. Every time I try searching for something there, they say, oops, sorry about that. So I can't evaluate it. That's the two I couldn't evaluate then the next batch is more or less the same. Some of them offer a little more pages than others, but we don't have time to go into an individual evaluation. So I'll just say that Swiss cows, actually, I'll say one thing. Some of them doesn't give you, because one great, yeah, I was saying, I'm searching for Forum Borealis, and then I can see what's going on here. I know what's going on, right? That's one way I'm testing them. That's the free speech part of it then i put in some extreme porn stuff in the search string i mean not something illegal because i don't mind if they actually keep that away from us but some extreme thing that's not mainstream in porn and if they actually show that then you know they're not censoring they're not a you so <laughs> some of these free speech platforms search engines have decided not to show any porn okay Fine, I can respect that as long as they actually show you. I get hits on Forum Borealis, but not on the other thing. And I think that's true for Swiss Co. And I think it's true for Research and Q1. I think they are nanning you in, in that respect. But like I said, that's a fair game. I mean... Most people who actually, I mean, no, most people, you know, the most popular thing on the internet is porn. That's what what people are actually searching for. So I guess people have their ways to find it anyway. But if you use Google, you can be sure they're making your blackmail file for the future in case you become a president candidate or anything else they need to mm. control you with. So even porn surfers should avoid that. So, but those three, I said, they at least give you a decent non-censoring thing on the free speech, but they don't offer you millions of hits. So then you have the next batch. Yeah, free spoke. Definitely. I remember they were censoring porn. So then you're left with Meta Gear, Start Page, Brave, Ecosia. I really like the core and Humble. They give you no censorship in either category and they give a decent amount of pages too. Maybe not start page so much. I think that's just Google without tracking. Uh, So they're kind of good, kind of good. Some of them gave actually more pages than others. I think Ecosio were were good on the number of pages, but it's still nothing like the old days. Okay. So then we left with the two winners. And the two winners are... This is really the best one Mojik. Now this name alone ensures that they'll always stay obscure, but it's spelt M O G E E K. Okay. Mojik.com and you can add it on, on Chrome. You can add it on Oprah. You can add it on Fox. The different hold on, versions hold of on, Fox. Hold on. Yeah. Did you say G or J? Yeah. Good question. I think J. <laughs> J for Jason. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I probably said G, but you said uh, J. G. I was. I'm curious if that's a Norwegian thing. If you guys. have. No, in Norwegian, it's it's G is gear, mm. and J is year. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, this that's would why I'm be... clueless how to spell it, pronounce it. In this English. one would be so, mojik, Jeek. Yes. And if you're used to Google, look. One of my, really one of the things that made it take so long for me to abandoned Google is that I was utterly used to it. Because back in the day, most people won't remember this. The the best search engine out there wasn't Google. It was Alta Vista. And Google copied the way they were showing stuff. And they copied also how exact you could be and all that stuff. So Alta Vista was the thing. Then they were bought up or somehow crushed and everyone went over to Google. I remember when Google came and I tried it out and uh, it was good, but uh, AltaVista was the best. So AltaVista doesn't exist anymore. Google took over and I was just very used to the interface and the layout. That was a big problem for me. But I discovered after trying different, and Dr. Go is horrible in, in Outline, So, but I discovered it just it's just a habit thing. It takes you a week and then you, bam, fully into the new one. So if you're confused and frustrated in the beginning. Don't be, because it will pass. That said, Mojik actually is very similar to Google in layout and the way they display, etc. Now, the only problem with Mojik is that they only show web images and news, okay? So that's why I put Yandex, the Russian browser at second place, because Yandex go uh, does the whole thing. They also remind you of Google, web, images, video, translate, disk, mail, ads. Now, it's a small thing, but if you're looking for videos like I was, for example, Forum Borealis videos, I would find them in the web hits, right? But I wouldn't have a, a, a category for them. Same with images, right? So if you're looking for porn, then images, Yes, on Mojik, but again, no videos unless you go for the main web results. So that's why Yandik is a good number two because they give a decent amount of hits. I think they may, I think only Humble or Ecosia surpassed them in hits and they're more than Google, but still is still limited. We're talking, nobody had more than 20 pages except and what i'm noticing mojik. about
1: mojik is that you can actually go i'm on there right now i'm in the settings you can go in and you can click whether you want to include bing brave duckduckgo ecosia gigablast google start page and yandex searches so it seems like mojik is aggregating search results from all of those places and maybe yeah
0: plus plus i think they're tapping into you know, behind the filter because all mm. those places limit the number of searches. Mm, mm, There's mm. no reason for Mojic to give you thousands of pages to browse through. Mm. If, even if they use all these browsers because all these browsers will give you, what, 20 pages max? Well, and, and So you should still be under 100. As a but reason- Mojic is like Google in the old days. Plus, I think it was in Mojic. I think Mojic also offers what many other offers, namely to, instead of just showing you 10 and 10, You can actually show up to forty on a page. Okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and
1: I'll just say from, you know, researcher's perspective, armchair researcher researching all this weird stuff. I thought, well, let me research. Let me type in something. That's a little like obscure that I know enough about to be exactly. able, to be able to recognize like that's, whether I'm that's being. That's the
0: litmus test. I've done it myself. Yeah. Yes.
1: So for me, uh, I was gonna say Rosicrucians, but I'm gonna say Skull and Bones instead. And, yeah. and what's interesting is the first search result on DuckDuckGo for Skull and Bones is from Ubisoft.com. The next one is from Britannica.com and then another one about the video game from Ubisoft. Whereas Mojik gives me immediately the Wikipedia entry about Skull and Bones, the secret society. And then... uh, yeah, it kind of gives me some really odd, like, blog websites as well. Good, that's yeah, what you want. Yeah, it gives want. me, like, some podcasts, it gives me even some kind of underwear that is... Good, so, yeah. that's what you want. Yeah, exactly, like, it's a very, instead of just being pushed into Britannica wikipedia or a video game which i'm suspicious about that video game i think they put that video game out this year (laughs) because it's 2023
0: 322 come on al but but the reason they give wikipedia obviously is that they they find wikipedia and all the searches now i want to say for the russian one uh, some stuff isn't russian but you have to go into the they also give you a lot of russian hits just like France have their own internet Russia have, but you have to go in and and put only English in the language, and then you'll not be frustrated by the weird letters so but so do that, get Mojik and or yandex I mean get them all if you like I do, I have them all in my address line, so I can always choose between them, but go into the settings and make sure that you put the settings how you want them. And if you're anything like me, I don't want any nannying from any goddamn source. I'm the filter. I'm an adult. Okay. Despite, okay, we live in 2023. Everybody is children in this world now. But I insist on remaining an adult. And that means give me all the crap that's there. I know how to navigate it because I grew up with the internet like this and it worked fine. Okay, and I found obscure stuff that I needed to find. Most people may maybe don't need that obscure stuff, but don't they want the option to be able to retrieve it? Mm. And by the way, if you think Rosicrucian is obscure, you should see the details I'm going into. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the evaluation. So the winner is clearly Mojik, however you won. How would you spell it? It's spelled M-O-J-E-E. No, I mean, how would you pronounce it? Sorry. How you just said it? I remember I just told you. Mo- okay, Mojik. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that word, so I don't know if that's the right way to to pronounce well, it. But it's then not a word. Should... It's one of these internet words. Okay. You
1: know. Yeah. So a...
0: they should find it then. And Yandex. Yandex is the other one, the Russian one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've made an email with Yandex once. Ah. Yeah. I see the emails too. So who knows? Maybe maybe Russia is monitoring you there. But at least Russia, you're not paying taxes to Russia, and they have no grip over your life Mm. in any way, shape, or form from over there. So, (laughs) or rather, the Russian government taps into my privacy than. the american or the norwegian of course norway is just a satellite state of america like most of the Wests of nato so no but look i have no reason to believe it's compromised i'm just saying you know well i really appreciate you Looking into this,
1: I think, for one, I need to replace my Chrome browser with Brave. When I do that, will I be able to take all my bookmarks with me? Yes, at- it's
0: exactly the same as Chrome. It's based on Chrome, I think. Okay. It looks like Chrome. So it, it feels would be like a Chrome. seamless over. Yeah. So if anyone want to leave a Chrome or Firefox, you choose Waterfox or Brave. Right, right. And...
1: The other thing, I have a lot of Google accounts. Would those be switched over and integrated into Brave? Would I have to replace yeah. those with Brave accounts? Or
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. if I remember right, uh, I think so. Mm. Gmail works like normal. Everything works like normal from there. It's mm. just frustrating that since I'm running Windows 7 and keeping it up to date because there's private updates, they still don't cater to that, which is their loss. If they don't, if they have enough people, and there are one more people, okay, start limiting like that. But right. So now, this way, you can find podcasts, you can find all that stuff. Like when I do a search for, for my show here now, then suddenly I see, oh, people didn't stop hosting links, they didn't stop talking about it, referencing it, oh, here's how many hits I have here, blah, blah, blah. So this is a good way to research. You know what's going on. You can do the same with your own podcast or blog or whatever you got going to vet these things. And maybe you, you will find, you prefer some others to this one, but really what made it for me with Mojic is that they give you, and you can even, yeah, they give you 40 results per page. That's the max. If you prefer that, you can go for the default 10. And you can also choose how many results per domain from unlimited to one okay so great you have full control yeah yeah you, of course you can fool around with the parents too that's true for most of these browsers so you can make it look more like what you're used to
1: hmm yeah I gotta make a few changes over here with that I gotta switch over to Brave and and then Mojik I mean, even if I stuck with Chrome, I could still use Mojik. But yeah, very interesting. Thank you, Al. I appreciate it. I've only become a a better, more... (laughs) Let me say it this way. I'm less and less of a dinosaur when it comes to this technology the more I get involved. I think people have a barrier to, to making a podcast because they're like, oh, I don't know how to do it. I don't have the tech. I don't know how to use that kind of stuff. You just get involved. Get your hands in. You'll figure it out. I'm figuring it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, You know what's funny? Every time I search for Forum Borealis, I do get up stuff like Aurora Borealis, uh, like you were on to.
1: <laughs> oh, well, not, not,
0: not from DuckDuckGo. When I
1: searched you on DuckDuckGo, you get. <laughs> Your website at the top, and then everything under it is all from you. So you're doing something right. I think yeah. the same is true for when I type in my family thinks I'm crazy, but it is a lot to type in. If
0: I... <laughs> See here on the first page, among the first 10 results of my show, I get up Alt Media United. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with no censorship, people can access stuff. You Go know. for it, folks. I guess that's a bit at the top of the hour. Mm. Absolutely. Right on. So you heard
1: us, folks. Switch your search engine. Get a privacy-focused browser and stop being taken advantage of. Data is the new gold these days in this modern age. So protect what's valuable and keep yourself
0: safe. And and if nothing else, remember when the next lockdowns come, you want to be free already. Mm. If we keep feeding their schemes, their control systems, we're, we're kind of laying, you know, we're, we're weaving the noose for our own hanging. So mm.
1: right. it's
0: such an easy thing to do. It's such a simple thing. Wow. And it's benefiting you. So go for it. Right on. All right, Al, thank you so much for joining
1: me. Thank you, folks, for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Until next time, have a great moment.